0: Book Two, Chapter Five, Part Three, of The Octopus, by Frank Norris, this LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Presley jumped up and caught Annixter about the shoulders with one arm gripping his hand hard. This absurd figure, with dangling silk suspenders, lathered chin, and tearful eyes, seemed to be suddenly invested with true nobility besides this blundering struggle to do right to help his fellows presley's own vague schemes glittering systems of reconstruction collapsed to ruin and he himself with all his refinement with all his poetry culture and education stood a bungler at the world's workbench you're all right old man he exclaimed unable to think of anything adequate you're all right that's the way to talk and here by the way i brought you a box of cigars Annixter stared as Presley laid the box on the edge of the washstand. "'Old fool!' he remarked. "'What in hell did you do that for?' "'Oh, just for fun.' "'I suppose they're rotten stinkadoras, or you wouldn't give them away.' "'This cringing gratitude,' Presley began. "'Shut up!' shouted Annixter, and the incident was closed. Annixter resumed his shaving, and Presley lit a cigarette. "'Any news from Washington?' he queried. "'Nothing that's any good,' grunted Annixter. "'Hello,' he added, raising his head. "'There's somebody in a hurry for sure.' The noise of a horse galloping so fast that the hoofbeats sounded in one uninterrupted rattle abruptly made itself heard. The noise was coming from the direction of the road that led from the mission to Kinsabe. With incredible swiftness the hoofbeats drew nearer. There was that in their sound which brought Presley to his feet. Annixter threw open the window." run away exclaimed presley annixter with thoughts of the railroad and the jumping of the ranch flung his hand to his hip pocket what is it vacca he cried young vacca turning in the seat of the carryall was looking up the road all at once he jumped from his place and dashed toward the window dyke he shouted dyke it's dyke while the words were yet in his mouth the sound of the hoofbeats rose to a roar and a great bell-toned voice shouted annixter 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 it was dyke's voice and the next instant he shot into view in the open square in front of the house oh my god cried presley the ex-engineer threw the horse on its haunches springing from the saddle and as he did so the beast collapsed shuddering to the ground annixter sprang from the window and ran forward presley following there was dyke hatless his pistol in his hand a gaunt terrible figure the beard immeasurably long the cheeks fallen in the eyes sunken his clothes ripped and torn by weeks of flight and hiding in the chaparral were ragged beyond words the boots were shreds of leather bloody to the ankle with furious spurring annixter he shouted and again rolling his sunken eyes annixter annixter here here cried annixter the other turned leveling his pistol give me a horse give me a horse quick give me a horse or i'll shoot steady steady that won't do you know me dyke we're friends here the other lowered his weapon i know i know he panted i had forgotten i'm unstrung mr annixter i'm running for my life they're not ten minutes behind me come on come on shouted annixter dashing stablewards his suspenders flying here's a horse mine exclaimed presley he wouldn't carry you a mile annixter was already far ahead trumpeting orders the buckskin he yelled get her out billy where's the stableman get out that buckskin get out that saddle then followed minutes of furious haste presley annixter billy the stableman and dyke himself darting hither and thither about the yellow mare buckling strapping cinching their lips pale their fingers trembling with excitement "'Want anything to eat?' Annixter's head was under the saddle-flap as he tore at the cinch. "'Want anything to eat? Want any money? Want a gun?' "'Water,' returned Dyke. they have watched every spring. I'm killed with thirst.' "'There's the hydrant. Quick, now.' "'I got as far as the Kern River, but they turned me back,' he said between breaths as he drank. "'Don't stop to talk, my mother, and the little tad. "'I'm taking care of them. They're stopping with me.' "'Here?' "'You won't see them. By the Lord, you won't. You'll get away. "'Where's that back cinch strap, Billy? "'God damn it, are you going to let him be shot before he can get away? "'Now, Dyke, up you go. "'She'll kill herself running before they can catch you. "'God bless you, Annixter. "'Where's the little tad? Is she? "'Well, Annixter, and the mother, tell them. "'Yes, yes, yes, all clear, press. "'Let her have her own gait, Dyke. "'You're on the best horse in the county now. "'Let go her head, Billy.' now dyke shake hands you bet i will that's all right yes god bless you Uh, let her go you're off answering the goad of the spur and already quivering with the excitement of the men who surrounded her the buckskin cleared the stable corral in two leaps then gathering her legs under her her head low her neck stretched out swung into the road from out the driveway disappearing in a blur of dust with the agility of a monkey young swung himself into the framework of the artesian well. Clambering aloft to its very top, he swept the country with a glance. Well, demanded Annixter from the ground. The others cocked their heads to listen. I see him, I see him, shouted Vaca. He's going like the devil. He's headed for Guadalajara. Look back, up the road, toward the mission. Anything there? The answer came down in a shout of apprehension. There's a party of men, three or four on horseback. There's dogs with them. They're coming this way. Oh, I can hear the dogs. And, and say, oh, say, there's another party coming down the lower road going toward Guadalajara too. They got guns. I can see the shine on the barrels. Uh, oh, Lord, say, there's three more men on horses coming down on the jump from the hills on the Los Muertos Stock Range. They're making toward Guadalajara. And I can hear the courthouse bell in Bonneville ringing. Say, the whole county is up. As young Vaca slid to the ground, two small black and tan hounds with flapping ears and lolling tongues loped into view on the road in front of the house. They were gray with dust, their noses were to the ground. At the gate where Dyke had turned into the ranch house grounds, they halted in confusion a moment. One started to follow the highwayman's trail toward the stable corral, but the other, quartering over the road with lightning swiftness, suddenly picked up the new scent leading on toward Guadalajara he tossed his head in the air and presley abruptly shut his hands over his ears Ah, that terrible cry deep-toned reverberating like the bourdon of a great bell it was the trackers exulting on the trail of the pursued the prolonged raucous howl eager ominous vibrating with the alarm of the tocsin sullen with the heavy muffling note of death but close upon the bay of the hounds came the gallop of horses five men their eyes upon the hounds their rifles across their pommels their horses reeking and black with sweat swept by in a storm of dust glinting hoofs and streaming manes that was delaney's gang exclaimed annixter i saw him the other was that chap christian said Vaca, s behrman's cousin he had two deputies with him and the chap with the white slouch hat was the sheriff from visalia by the lord they aren't far behind declared annixter as the men turned toward the house again they saw hilma and mrs dyke in the doorway of the little house where the latter lived they were looking out bewildered ignorant of what had happened but on the porch of the ranch house itself alone forgotten in the excitement sidney the little tad stood with pale face and serious wide-open eyes she had seen everything and had understood. She said nothing. Her head inclined towards the roadway. She listened to the faint and distant baying of the dogs. Dyke thundered across the railway tracks by the depot at Guadalajara, not five minutes ahead of his pursuers. Luck seemed to have deserted him. The station, usually so quiet, was now occupied by the crew of a freight train that lay on the down track, while on the up line, near at hand and headed in the same direction, was a detached locomotive, whose engineer and fireman recognized him, he was sure as the buckskin leaped across the rails. He had had no time to formulate a plan since that morning, when, tortured with thirst, he had ventured near the spring at the headwaters of Broderson Creek on sabe and had all but fallen into the hands of the posse that had been watching for that very move. It was useless now to regret that he had tried to foil pursuit by turning back on his tracks to regain the mountains east of Bonneville. Now Delaney was almost on him. To distance that posse was the only thing to be thought of now. It was no longer a question of hiding till pursuit should flag. They had driven him out from the shelter of the mountains, down into this populous countryside, where an enemy might be met with at every turn of the road. Now it was life or death. He would either escape or be killed. He knew very well that he would never allow himself to be taken alive. But he had no mind to be killed to turn and fight till escape was blocked. His one thought was to leave pursuit behind. Weeks of flight had sharpened Dykes every sense. As he turned into the upper road beyond Guadalajara, he saw the three men galloping down from Derrick's stock range, making for the road ahead of him. They would cut him off there. He swung the buckskin about. He must take the lower road across Los Muertos from Guadalajara, and he must reach it before Delaney's dogs and posse. Back he galloped, the buckskin measuring her length with every leap. Once more the station came in sight. Rising in his stirrups, he looked across the fields in the direction of the lower road. There was a cloud of dust there. From a wagon? No, horses on the run, and their riders were armed. He could catch the flash of gun-barrels. They were all closing in on him, converging on Guadalajara by every available road. The upper road west of Guadalajara led straight to Bonneville. That way was impossible. Was he in a trap? Had the time for fighting come at last? But as dyke neared the depot at Guadalajara, his eye fell upon the detached locomotive that lay quietly steaming on the up line, and with a thrill of exultation, he remembered that he was an engineer born and bred. Delaney's dogs were already to be heard, and the roll of hoofs on the lower road was dinning in his ears as he leaped from the buckskin before the depot. The train crew scattered like frightened sheep before him, but dyke ignored them. His pistol was in his hand as once more on foot he sprang into the lone engine out of the cab he shouted both of you quick or i'll kill you both the two men tumbled from the iron apron of the tender as dyke swung himself up dropping his pistol on the floor of the cab and reaching with the old instinct for the familiar levers the great compound hissed and trembled as the steam was released and the huge drivers stirred turning slowly on the tracks but there was a shout delaney's posse dogs and men swung into view at the turn of the road their figures leaning over as they took the curve at full speed dyke threw everything wide open and caught up his revolver from behind came the challenge of a winchester the party on the lower road were even closer than delaney they had seen his maneuver and the first shot of the fight shivered the cab windows above the engineer's head but spinning futilely at first the drivers of the engine at last caught the rails the engine moved advanced travelled past the depot and the freight train and gathering speed rolled out on the track beyond smoke black and boiling shot skyward from the stack not a joint that did not shudder with the mighty strain of the steam but the great iron brute one of baldwin's newest and best came to call obedient and docile as soon as ever the great pulsing heart of it felt a master hand upon its levers it gathered its speed, bracing its steel muscles, its thews of iron, and roared out upon the open track, filling the air with the rasp of its tempest-breath, blotting the sunshine with the belch of its hot, thick smoke. Already it was lessening in the distance, when Delaney, Christian, and the sheriff of Visalia dashed up to the station. The posse had seen everything. "'Stuck! Curse the luck!' vociferated the cowpuncher. But the sheriff was already out of the saddle and into the telegraph office there's a derailing switch between here and pixley isn't there he cried yes wire ahead to open it we'll derail him there come on he turned to delaney and the others they sprang into the cab of the locomotive that was attached to the freight train name of the state of california shouted the sheriff to the bewildered engineer cut off from your train the sheriff was a man to be obeyed without hesitating time was not allowed the crew of the freight train for debating as to the right or the wrong of requisitioning the engine and before anyone thought of the safety or danger of the affair the freight engine was already flying out upon the down line hot in pursuit of dyke now far ahead upon the up-track i remember perfectly well there's a derailing switch between here and pixley shouted the sheriff above the roar of the locomotive they use it in case they have to derail runaway engines it runs right off into the country we'll pile him up there ready with your guns boys "'If we should meet another train coming up on this track,' protested the frightened engineer, "'then we'd jump or be smashed. Hey, look, there he is!' As the freight engine rounded a curve, Dyke's engine came into view, shooting on some quarter of a mile ahead of them, wreathed in whirling smoke. Uh, "'The the switch ain't much further on,' clamored the engineer. "'You can see Pixley now.' Dyke, his hand on the grip of the valve that controlled the steam, his head out of the cab window, thundered on. He was back in his old place again. Once more he was the engineer. Once more he felt the engine quiver under him. The familiar noises were in his ears. The familiar buffeting of the wind surged, roaring at his face. The familiar odors of hot steam and smoke reeked in his nostrils. And on either side of him parallel panoramas, the two halves of the landscape sliced as it were in two by the clashing wheels of his engine, streamed by in green and brown blurs. He found himself settling to the old position on the cab seat, leaning on his elbow from the window, one hand on the controller. All at once, the instinct of the pursuit that of late had become so strong within him prompted him to shoot a glance behind. He saw the other engine on the down line, plunging after him, rocking from side to side with the fury of its gallop. Not yet had he shaken the trackers from his heels, not yet was he out of the reach of danger. He set his teeth, and, throwing open the fire door, stoked vigorously for a few moments. The indicator of the steam gauge rose. His speed increased. A glance at the telegraph poles told him he was doing fifty miles an hour. The freight engine behind him was never built for that pace. Barring the terrible risk of accident, his chances were good. End of Book Two, Chapter Five, Part Three